rags and riches, hieroglyphics off the wall. There's no strife for the afterlife, unwind and have a ball. Pyramids have power and secrets stashed away. But between the traps and the money rats, they can really blow your day. The ancient pharaoh spirit haunts the halls of this cold dark tomb. A curse is heard through the underworld, coming to seal your doom. Welcome to Kids and Their Dog, a Scooby-Doo movie review and recap podcast. I'm your Hanna-Barbera talking animal, Cassidy, and my pronouns are she, her. I'm Lava, they, them. And with us is a special guest returning once more. Please introduce yourself as you would like to be reintroduced. Hi, I'm your adventuring archaeologist who's one quick time event away from death, Brendan. I was half expecting you to introduce yourself as a fairy of the crashing waves Uh, or whatever. uh, Oh, we don't worry, Tess and I have a gag planned for when we uh, eventually uh, do an episode together. So stay tuned. Uh, um, so how you been? Have you had any Scooby-Doo developments in your life? Uh, no real Scooby-Dooby developments, I'm afraid. Uh, I'm tentatively excited for Scoob. It's certainly gonna be a thing. Uh, I also- Sure will be. I also unironically want to go see the stage show. If it ever comes to, like, DC is probably the closest it'll get to me. Um- like depart the curtain a little bit like it will be showing near me near my birthday and i will be going oh wow that that's i just remember beautiful. that i have a scooby-doo encyclopedia now so i need to pull it up just in case it comes out scoobypedia uh yeah sort of it's only it only covers stuff from the television show and even then only up to like before a pup named Scooby-Doo. Oh, wow. Which means this is an incomplete Scooby-pedia, which... I have thoughts on that. My thoughts are Warner Brothers hire me to write a complete official guide to Scooby-Doo. Oh, actually, there is a there is a Scooby development. I made an Anunnaki joke on our latest episode of uh, Magic Wings Clubhouse. <laughs> Okay, I've opened to the section on skeletons and mummies. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, don't you love that this movie is just a, a long-form version of that one episode from classic Scooby-Doo? Which one? The one with, a lot. The, one with the mummy? There's a lot. I'm looking at a lot of mummies. <laughs> um, oh, I don't remember the name of it. I just remember it was in the original series. Oh, here we have a big case file on the mummy of Anka. I think that's the one. I, that's the episode. Soon this 3,000-year-old, although he doesn't look like a day over 2,000, moaning mummy comes alive and threatens to turn everyone to stone. Yeah. Yep, that's the one. This movie is just that episode, but 75 minutes. The gang must unravel this mummy mystery, or their last meal might be liverwurst and ice cream. Ugh. <laughs> what is the date on this Scoobypedia if it only covers up to a pup named? Because that came out in, like, the late 80s. Oh, no, this is, like, new. It's just it doesn't cover anything. Oh, what? Past that. Um, Why? 2018 is the copyright date. 
What? Jeez. It doesn't cover any of the movies or anything, and I think that's upsetting to me as a person who talks about Scooby-Doo and knows too much. (laughs) Like, that's wild. Well, it specifically says Scooby-Doo Encyclopedia, 200 plus characters and guest stars, every villain from the classic series unmasked. But the from the classic series part is written really small. Uh, yeah, so that would only cover up through... If this is original Scooby continuity, and I'm gonna put that in huge brackets, uh, then yeah, I guess that would fall off at, like, the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, wouldn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, it does have a section where I can tell you all about what's inside the mystery machine. Ooh. Uh, let me see, that is on page 14. We can also give you all of the characters' official heights and weights. That's actually kind of cool that we get an official height chart. Um, Shaggy is either way too short or way too tall, and I don't know which is funnier. Uh, Velma's actually very, very, very short. Is she like 4'11"? Let me pull up the list. Velma is 4'9". Oh, wow. Dang. Weighs 110 pounds. Oh, wow. Fred Jones Jr. is five foot eleven. Daphne is five foot seven, and Shaggy is an even six feet. Hmm. <laughs> For some reason, I was expecting Shaggy to be like six four or something ridiculous. He just uh, hunches all the time, so you wouldn't know. Okay. I mean, so... it doesn't specify, does it? Maybe it's true. <laughs> Shaggy is just six feet hunched over. <laughs> it doesn't give Scooby at all? Uh, Scooby's is listed in paws instead of feet. <laughs> He's <laughs> 12 cute. paws tall. Aww. He is seven years old in human years. And his full name is Scooby. <laughs> <laughs> uh let's see here we have inside the mystery machine a first aid kit mystery mm-hmm. solving computer equipment mm-hmm. gas gauge ropes bench seating lantern fred's tools which are like a hammer a wrench etc a mini fridge a spare gas can a sandwich <laughs> roller skates scooby snacks a transistor radio a jack for lifting up the mystery machine a direction finding antenna a luggage slash ski rack on top of the machine fred's ghost spotting binoculars <laughs> a direction finder which is a super high-tech radar system connected to a wireless transmitter Mm-hmm. Uh, Velma's glasses there are multiple spares inside the mystery machine that's cute that's a good idea a bookshelf for Velma's books Daphne has a makeup slash spy kit which is very good yeah. and a list of miscellaneous equipment including lifelike disguises first aid kits a 20 foot ladder a three person scooter and more <laughs> You know, I kind of wish, I I know why Scooby and Shaggy are the ones who always end up in disguises, but 
I wish they could like explore that more with Daphne since that's like kind of her thing when they want to give her one other than fashion. Well, she does mm-hmm. do some disguises in this film as we'll get to. Oh yeah. Um, anyways, this is just a way for me to announce the new Patreon goal of at $1,000 a month, I will write the unofficial Scooby-Doo Encyclopedia. (laughs) (laughs) That's only half a joke. I think by the time this goes up, I will have added that to the Patreon. (laughs) (laughs) I could quit one of my jobs for $1,000 a month. <laughs> okay. So, oh yeah, I meant to look up some Scooby Doo news. Let me go through that real quick. Ooh. Scooby Doo playsets coming from Playmobil. That's that's very cute. Oh, I only found out the other day that the uh Lego, well, the other day, in the uh intervening months, here's some Scooby news. I went to look at the um the Lego Scooby stuff because I wanted to give Tess like the Lego Mystery Machine for Christmas. Mm-hmm. Mm. Not only are they out of print, but if you can find them, uh, they're like three hundred dollars. Oh, jeez. Part of me wants to get like all of the Lego Dimension stuff because like it's it would be fun to just play around with, but that's a lot of stuff. Also, um, they have their own Scooby-esque property now. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Hidden Side is an AR game with a bunch of sets tied to it, and uh, it's all ghosts. Huh. <laughs> uh, here's a and- news story about a service dog having a r- priceless reaction to meeting Scooby-Doo. <laughs> What a good dog. Uh, there's a ski, like a machine that was cleaning up some Colorado ski slopes that is painted to look like the mystery machine. That's very cute. Well, that's pretty much it. They added the Scooby-Doo shows back to Netflix and a couple of the movies as well. Okay, um... Let me read this Playmobil story from BleedingCool.com. Scooby-Doo is coming to Playmobil starting later this month. You'll be able to find three new Scooby-Doo sets available, including the Mystery Machine. This set will also include figures of Daphne, Velma, and Fred. A Scooby and Shaggy ghost pack will also be available. What I am most excited for are the blind bag ghost figures, 12 to collect, and each comes with a ghost card which can be placed in a monitor in the back of the mystery machine to reveal secrets about the ghosts. Oh, cool. Are they like, uh, are they like the classic Scooby villains or? I'm not sure. I'm still reading through this. I'm going to post an image of the playsets as we go. Here is one. The one with the mystery machine and Fred and Velma and Daphne. The psychedelic vehicle has always been everything you need for has ever always every bip, bip, bip. this psychedelic vehicle always has everything you need for your ghost hunting adventures. Open this van's rear doors to reveal an illuminated monitor where you can insert your ghost cards to learn more about the mystery. Hmm. Comes with Scooby snacks. 
Nice. Um, Very nice. Here's the Scooby and Shaggy and Ghost one. Ooh. Spoopy. Also includes Scooby snacks, a hamburger, and other accessories. <laughs> I uh, yeah, appreciate So the blind bags are classic Scooby Doo villains. Sweet. Uh, can I guess who's? That's kind of. Can cool. I guess who's there? Uh, okay, as long as you don't look at that picture. All right, I'm going to guess uh, the creeper. Mm-hmm. Captain Cutler. That's correct. That's one of them. Uh, the Black Knight ghost. Um, unconfirmed. Uh, boy. Uh, and suddenly I've forgotten every Scooby Doo villain that isn't like. Oh no! I looked at the. Oh hey, the space kook. I love the space kook. I'm glad the space kook is on that list. <laughs> and the Yeti ghost. That's an interesting choice. And um, I feel like the witch doctor has become a little bit insensitive. But okay, go off. I guess. Oh yeah, no, they keep making stuff about. I was in a Target the other day. And this is a thing that oh, I have dear. seen in Targets for the past several years, and I have sent pictures of it to Lava before, where they'll have, like, the sets of kids' toys of Scooby-Doo characters, and there are multiple, of, like, of the classic Scooby-Doo villains that are not great, that are there in toy form. Oh, dear. Including oh, the Witch boy. Doctor. Sorry, hold on. I was Oof. flipping through this book to see if I could remember what they are, but I found Vampire Foreman, which is a vampire wearing a hard hat. I love it. <laughs> That's the ghost scheme I'm running. Uh, guess what? It's a real vampire. <laughs> oh, that's delightful. Oh. Well, it's a living. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, the other one was Indian Witch Doctor. Oof. Oh, right. Yep, I remember that one. Because there are multiple Witch Doctors in the Scooby-Doo canon. Oh, Oh, 1968. Ghost Clown. Okay, that's enough of looking at this. (laughs) Um, So we have questions. Awesome. Yes, we do. And here are the questions, starting with some questions from Janine, not sorry, at Janine Juliet on Twitter. Mm-hmm. What would be in your sarcophagi if mummified? Well, if it's just the sarcophagus, I think it's just going to be my mummified corpse. But if we were extending this to be the tomb area around it, um, does anyone have any answers? Uh, a fl- a uh, flash drive or... Uh, sorry, let me walk that one. A hard drive containing my internet history, because that is going to the grave with me. <laughs> uh, mine is going to be uh, my poor uh, MacBook laptop, because <laughs> I'm going to be using it until I die, or it dies. One or the other. Um... I'm going to say all of the physical media that I refuse to throw away. (laughs) This includes my, like, increasingly growing DVD collection and all of the video games that I still have. Such as Gex and 
Gex 64 enter the gecko and Gex 3. <laughs> Deep cover gecko. Uh, also put in all of the uh, tchotchkes that came with collector's editions of video games because I pay good money for those. When I buy one, it's going to be my Tryon 3 Gundam. Nice. Gonna buy one of those eventually. They're finally back in stock on the website that I check, but I don't know if I want to pull the trigger until I have a shelf to put it on. Uh, if <laughs> if you're into Gunpla, you know who's really fun is Who? um, Core Gundam and his various uh, outfits. Yeah, I haven't watched that new series yet, but I know it has forms, which is fun. I haven't watched the show either, but uh, I like gunpla kits that do more than one thing. That's why I love the Tryon 3. <laughs> and this is just a little man you get to play dress up with. Tryon 3 is a Megazord. Oh, is that the one with the bird and the lion? Uh-huh, and, and the stingray. I want that one too. Where's it in stock at? Uh, I had gotten an email about it from Gunpla Planet. Or Ooh. Gundam Planet, whatever one that's called. Gundam Planet, yeah. I think there might be some wild ones at my local comic book store, but I would have to get back down there. The thing is, I want to buy, like, three of them. Or, actually, no, I think at this point I've decided I want four of them, because I have a bunch of different paint schemes I want to put on them. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it would be. My sarcophagus would actually be full of several Tryon 3 Gundam kits. <laughs> <laughs> what historical figure from the past would be dope for mystery ink to run into my brain has defaulted to scooby-doo meets abraham lincoln um, that's happened i'm not surprised <laughs> it's in the newest scooby-doo series abraham I'm... lincoln's there it's the same episode where they do the thing that i said they should do but it made me mad that they did it <laughs> uh let's see <laughs> Let me see if I can remember exactly who it was they crossed over with. Oh, yeah, I know what historical figure I want them to meet. Xena, the warrior princess. Perfect! Great idea! I love that! <laughs> oh my gosh! The moon princess, Queen Serenity. <laughs> Scooby-Doo meets the Golden Girls. <laughs> Let's see, it was the Abraham Lincoln episode. I'm looking this up now. <laughs> oh, it was the Funky Phantom Crew. That's right, that's who was in that one. Isn't that one of uh, the um extended member of the Scooby slash um like the mystery solving team family? Yeah, no, that's why I was thinking like, oh, they need to do this. It's cause like my grand scheme that I pitched over at that we both pitched over at Not If I Reboot You First for rebooting the Scooby-Doo franchise involved rebooting every Hanna-Barbera mystery-solving team at once. And they did that thing, and it made me mad <laughs> that they did the thing. Because <laughs> I wanted to do the thing. It's my thing! <laughs> um, Historical figures. Um, <laughs> Napoleon? Uh -oh. <laughs> like, 
I guess it technically counts as a historical figure, but I don't want to open up that debate debate of me saying it. But I I gotta say it. I can't get. I have to get this idea out of my brain. Oh boy. Scooby Doo meets Jesus Christ. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Wow, that is a whole can of worms right there. Sure is. Yep. <laughs> Moving on. Can a Scooby Doo be a mummy? Moving on. Can a Scooby be a mummy? I mean, yes. A hot yes. dog can be a mummy if you treat it properly. Anything that has internal organs can become a mummy. That is my take. Anything with water in it can become a mummy. Also, like, historically, uh, they would, you know, take their pets with them. Okay, but could you mummify an alien? (laughs) Depends on the water content and how they react to salt. So a slug alien, absolutely not. (laughs) What is the physical makeup of a Scooby-Doo? (laughs) well presumably dog well alien dog canonically an alien dog so hmm (laughs) I'm gonna say yes anyways the answer is (laughs) yes alright got another question in here from light novel love interest at magical underscore pride on twitter hi charlie hi charlie hi charlie where do mummies rate on scary monsters? Hmm. Above zombies. I feel like above zombies. I was gonna put them right at zombies. No, I'm saying above zombies because they're usually zombies but with upside. Like zombie but with a curse. Or zombie but That's full true. of flesh eating beetles. <laughs> uh um, yeah. I I agree. Mummies at least have some magic element to them. But I will put them above zombie, but below vampire. Because mummies cannot turn into wolves and or mist. (laughs) You also don't want to kiss a mummy. Vampires, yes. Mummies, no. I mean, there's a one-shot podcast episode about a CW show about a mummy. (laughs) Oh boy. So I would say there are options for kissing a mummy. And I completely forgot about the classic children's television series, Mummies Alive. Those mummies are decent. I thought about looking that up so that way I could make a reference to it. Um, But I never watched it. And that would be like the time I referenced Fighting Foodons. A show that I continued to adamantly know nothing about. (laughs) You can't make me learn anything about Fighting Foodons. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I I spent uh, I spent an episode of our podcast making a Star Trek joke, and I've never seen a Star Trek. So, same boat, same hat, same incredibly specific Egyptian hat. Uh, does anyone have any different ratings for mummies, or are we sort of going to leave them there? I I'm comfortable with above zombie, but below vampire. I'm good, too. Where would the Creature of the Black Lagoon fit on that list? So, the Creature of the Black Lagoon... Depends on if it's just a fish person or not. 
Because if it's just like a fish person, then it's only as scary as anything else that is vaguely humanoid. Like, that's just a wet monkey. (laughs) Yeah, I guess it is. Alright, so next we have from at Tayu Face, Jeremy Borders, current display name, Jerlicles can and Jerlicles do, featuring the cat emoji multiple times. (laughs) Oh boy. (laughs) Which of the mystery incorporated kids is most likely to end up intentionally mummified? I immediately want to say Velma. Yeah, she's enough of a nerd. Yeah, okay. How about accidentally? Shaggy. Scooby and Shaggy. I mean, yeah, that's also the correct answer. (laughs) I mean, they almost fell into a peat bog in Scotland. That's mummification. Yeah, that's true. Would Shaggy have eaten a mummy if he was a 17th century noble? Of course! I, uh, uh, here's the thing, I don't think we need to put, uh, that last part of the question on this question. Okay, but, so. I know if you tell Shaggy, that it's a specific thing. If you tell Shaggy, like, hey, do you want to eat some mummy? He's going to be like, mm, a curse, probably. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Fair. I think he's super superstitious enough to not. Like. Yeah. If you showed, he's savvy enough now. If you showed Shaggy the sarcophagus, sarcophagus juice, Ugh. the reason Shaggy <laughs> would not drink the juice is not because it is bad for you, but because because it's probably cursed. <laughs> um, the phrase sarcophagatorade just came to mind. Good. I think he would go for the forbidden grilled cheese. Yeah. Oh no, he would absolutely do the forbidden grilled cheese. <laughs> yep. Okay, now we have a batch of questions from Tanner at Sparky Upstart. Display name, the Mr. Mistopheles Respector is logged on. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know any riddles that would stump a sphinx? Nope. I have to go, like, looking. And for the fact that I have played a Sphinx before in a game. I don't know enough riddles. Uh, All the riddles I know come from the Sphinx in Assassin's Creed Odyssey. <laughs> I don't know any of the riddles off the top of my head, but I do think of a podcast I listen to, Hey Riddle Riddle. There's a series of books that are on that program that are full of quote-unquote riddles that are terrible. And I think one of those oh, would no. probably do the trick. No, wait, I have a riddle. I have a riddle for the Sphinx. (laughs) Okay. There is a cat, and you put the cat in a box. Is the cat alive or dead? (laughs) And then while uh, its brain melts out of its ears trying to ponder the Schrodinger's cat paradox, you run away. Okay, (laughs) I found the name of the book. The name of the book is Stories with Holes by Nathan Levi. Uh, let me see if I can get a list. Yeah, I think any kind of riddle with no uh, clear context, like anything maybe, I don't know, modern technology stuff. I think sphinxes are just like 
cheap AI. If you tell them a paradox, they just short circuit. Or they just kill you. I mean, yeah, that too. So yeah, exactly like an AI. But what if I, what if you could consider a sphinx is not an AI, but rather just a cat that can talk? <laughs> so I could distract the sphinx with a laser pointer. Yes. All right. Uh, next question from Tanner. If Mystery Incorporated had been able to exist, Rick and Evie from The Mummy, 1999, would they have defeated Imhotep quicker? So it's been a while since I've seen the Brendan Fraser vehicle, The Mummy. I have been meaning to rewatch it uh, recently because I see it all the time, but see stuff from it all the time. I'll be honest, I don't think I've seen it since 1999. Well, the good news is I have that movie seared permanently into my retina. <laughs> the only time I've seen it was with my was in college freshman year with my roommate who like we were just talking about it once and then cuz I said I'd never seen it, he went out and bought like a DVD set cuz we lived down the street from a Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> nice the answer is probably this is mystery inc replacing rick and evie no this is assisting so it's Uh, them but also mm. mystery incorporated i mean i think they could at least get the hieroglyphic translations a lot faster but uh you're when you're dealing with an undead evil mummy satan there's only so fast you can go well, the thing is, Mystery Incorporated has experience with undead, evil, blank. So That's true. I think they've got but... it. Oh, um, and uh, thanks to those uh, display names, I've, I've come up with the most hexed thought okay. to grace both of you. Mm-hmm. So oh, no. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. But... They're cats but from the cat, cats. But the cat people are from the cable from cats. Yeah, okay. I saw where that was going <laughs> as soon as you said Zombie Island. Uh, yep. No. No. <laughs> uh, the main lady removes her skin, revealing her skin, but in a dancing costume. And one of them eats <laughs> a, a crawdad with a face on it. Oh. <laughs> I have not seen Jeez. Cats. I have not seen any form of the film Cats, or the musical Cats, or anything that is Cats. Neither not have I. I have I seen don't... Cats. Go ahead. But the musical Cats. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, All respect to people who enjoy that musical. If my mom and I had uh, seen that as our first musical, we probably never would have gotten into musicals. <laughs> Just... That is my approach to it. Because we, I think it was like our third one that we'd ever seen. Uh, including Wicked. Wicked was like, was like our first one. Strong and we were like, start. you know what? We like this. Let's do this. Uh, if that had been our first one, we wouldn't have enjoyed the media. Medium. So, that is my approach to Cats. I think Cats is probably fine. That's why. But... As someone whose experience with musicals mostly consists of the musical Escape to Margaritaville. (laughs) It's just not my thing. 
like i like the concept of musicals and i like musical versions of other things like mm-hmm. the episode where the music meister was on the flash and the people in that show had to sing was pretty good um Heck yeah. there was an episode of the television program kappa mikey uh oh wow that was a musical <laughs> i a think about that one minute. a lot it literally had a bouncing ball so you could sing along and at some point during the episode someone pointed out and saying like what is that what is that doing there get it out of here there's the musical episode of xena warrior princess there's two musical episodes of that in fact but musicals themselves i just don't consume they also ask can you mummify a bee so I literally just Googled it, and uh, there are bees that mummify beetles alive. This is the first thing that appeared on my Google search of mummify a bee. So, so, uh, probably. I mean, yes. <laughs> they, like, because, I mean, all bugs are nothing but, like, liquid in a shell so yes i feel like there's a joke here that is being missed biopatra i think there it is i'm not sure if that's the joke that we're missing but that's a joke now (laughs) that is perfect wonderful and their last question is were you there when the pharaohs commissioned the sphinx now this is a cat's reference. <laughs> no. Oof. I didn't know that. Neither I did, did I, I, but I was like, I know Tanner. This question is a reference <laughs> to something. And the answer is, it's a reference to the song Jellical Songs for Jellical Cats from the musical Cats. <laughs> I have not listened to it. I will not listen to it. <laughs> I'm always down for spectacle Broadway, but I you need a you need a partner. You need to utilize the buddy system with spectacle Broadway or you will get overwhelmed. <laughs> I just I don't have the energy in me. This week has been a weird week as Lava can attest, but for like it's it's invaded all aspects of life it feels like. This bad weird energy. And I just, I don't have the energy in my body to deal with cats right now. (laughs) Alright, and we have a question here from FantasyCrest at FantasyCrest on Twitter. Okay, later on in this movie, which is a bit spoilerish, so I'm being careful with the phrasing, Shaggy is thought to be a something. How does this factor into our timeline for Mystery Incorporated? Well, I have at one point said 4,000 years ago in ancient Egypt, Red Shirt Shaggy did something. I I do not remember the context for what I said or entirely the thing that I said, but I do remember referencing the idea of Red Shirt Shaggy being in ancient Egypt. And I think that fits right there. Perfect. Wonderful. What is an alternate universe, if not just a different time? <laughs> Alright, that's all of our questions. 
I just realized that I've had a personal Scooby-Doo development in my life, uh, which is to say, I think I've, I'm developing the the appetite of, or not the appetite, but um, I've been eating foods that I feel very like, this is a thing that Sh- Scooby and Shaggy have eaten for sure. Um, oh such as this morning, I ate a, there's an English muffin. Mm-hmm. And I fried an egg and put it on there with some hot sauce mm-hmm. and also peanut butter. That's where you lose me. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, no. I I like to keep an open mind with food. I'll, I'll try most anything at least once. The peanut butter is like a separate flavor profile from everything else that happens in that. Mm. Like... You taste the peanut butter and you taste everything else separately. (laughs) (laughs) But it was fine. I'd probably eat it again. I have, uh, there is a video on YouTube of me eating a ketchup with banana or banana with ketchup on it. Oh, why did you have to be the one to take that bullet? (laughs) Because I am not a coward. (laughs) That's, that's fair. You are stronger than I. It's fine. Don't do it, but it's fine. <laughs> like, is it as bad as they thought it would be? No, it's fine. Like, I I literally just sit there and say, it's fine, and then I take a second bite. <laughs> <laughs> An inspiration to us all. It tastes like cheap tomato sauce. We have no choice but to stand. <laughs> All right. Um, that's everything else, I guess. So let's dig into this film. We have Woo-hoo! watched the film Scooby Doo in Where's My Mummy. It was released on Cartoon Network on November twenty fourth, two thousand five, on DVD, and then was released later on DVD and home video on December thirteenth, two thousand five. Both of these dates are the same year as the last film we watched. So a pretty good quick turnaround. And I think this is probably the better of the two. Which makes me think they probably rushed the other one. I agree. Currently, this is the last Scooby-Doo film to have a VHS release. Oh. Currently. (laughs) The person who wrote that fact is like very hopeful. (laughs) <laughs> oh god imagine though if they release scoob also on vhs it's just like a collector's edition well i mean we've already brought vinyl back isn't this the logical next step i mean you're not wrong um just like i believe the last film we have it directed by i think it's a lot of the same people directing and producing this one because it's directed by joe sishta Produced by Joe Sishta and Margaret M. Dean, written by Joe Sishta, George Dotty the Fourth, and Ed Scarlack, or Charlack, or something like that. Featuring the voice acting talents of Frank Welker as Fred Jones and Scooby Doo, Casey Kasem as Shaggy Rogers, Mindy Cohn as Velma Dinkley, Gray Delisle Griffin as Daphne Blake and Natasha. Christine Baronsky as Amelia Von Butch. That's why that voice was so familiar. A.J. Naidu as Prince Omar. Ron Perlman as Armin Granger and Hotep and Ancient One Number Two. 
<laughs> Jeremy. Ancient one number two? Yep. I love that. Jeremy Piven as Rock Rivers. Winton Marsalis as Campbell. Campbell? Campbell? Colonel? Campbell? Colonel. Oded Fair as Amal Ali Akbar. And Virginia Madsen, or Madsen? Virginia Madsen as Cleopatra. I have some notes here that I've taken from the Scooby-Doo fandom wiki. Um, oh boy. So if there's anything factually incorrect with this, um, take it up with them, not me, but just let me know so I can issue a correction. Okay. Uh, okay. Here are the things that have been written. I only did like a cursory, cursory check to make sure this was true. Sorry, the events shown in the flashback at the beginning of this film are historically out of date. The invasion of Alexandria and the death of Cleopatra happened in 30 BCE, not 41 BCE. That is correct. In the film, Cleopatra's tomb is hidden beneath the Sphinx. This is an unlikely place for her real tomb to be located. By the time Cleopatra was born in 69 BCE, the Sphinx and pyramids have been standing for almost 2,000 years. While there is modern evidence of catacomb-like structures beneath the Sphinx, they're nearly impossible to get into. In Cleopatra's time, these catacombs, if they truly exist, would have been forgotten, and both the pyramids and the Valley of Kings were abandoned as sacred burial grounds. None of Cleopatra's family were buried there. Her actual tomb is most likely buried in modern-day Alexandria, hidden somewhere in the city or just outside of it. Another possible place was in a temple near her place on the island in which she lived. If this is the case, she's buried under 30 feet of water, as the island has since sunk beneath the waves. This is also correct. I'm glad we're getting this part out of the way, because I I was like, okay, yeah, this is also suffering a little bit from the same things that a couple of the other movies uh, around this time period were suffering from. Lack of research. But I didn't have nearly enough context. To be like, ah, oh, yes, this is terrible. So I just kind of like, okay, it's fine. It's fine. I think this one is fine. as fine as like an Indiana Jones type movie, only actually it fixes yeah. one of the major problems with those films. Um, <laughs> like actually, like no joke. I was sitting here thinking like they say something and I'm like, oh no, that's going to be a problem with this film, huh? But by the end of the movie, they're like, hey, actually, boom, fixed it. Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, even if the writers didn't do a lot of research, there is, like, something in the background art later that I want to bring up that shows somebody involved in the production of this did a good amount of research. That's good. So, I was worried, but it was fine. Yeah. That's pretty much how this film is. Like, we were worried, but it's fine. You know, the good thing about mummy plots is... They tend not to be, they're a little bit ignorant of ancient Egyptian culture, but it's never anything, like, grossly inaccurate. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, it's it's a little to the left, but I see where they were going with it. I think this is a case where it's like, mummy media is informed by other mummy media. So, yeah. you basically just keep getting the consistently the same things wrong. Yeah. So the film starts in 41 BCE with Romans invading. There's lots of stuff on fire. Cleopatra's on a boat running away, and she narrates that she, the last of the pharaohs, escaped on the Nile. 
The kingdom was dead, but as queen, she sailed to the pyramids for revenge. She went to a hidden tomb under the Sphinx, which is guarded by the army of the undead, and they will rise to protect it, and they set the traps and seal the tomb, and Cleopatra Cass is accursed. So, I have two notes for this. Uh-huh. So, the first is actually, this is another thing they got right. Uh, when Cleopatra is sailing down the Nile, the pyramids are white with gold caps. Uh, at mm. the point in history where she was, they still would have looked like that. They still had their limestone uh, outer shells and the gold-plated caps uh, before, I believe, erosion did the rest. Uh, the mm. other is that the uh, invasion shown in the prologue is a ridiculously simplified version of the Battle of Actium, because there is way too much uh, Roman politics to get into for a 75-minute children's film. We'll save that for when Scooby-Doo goes to ancient Rome. <laughs> I'm shocked it hasn't happened yet. Well, so let me tell you about <laughs> Wonder Woman. Oh, Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so there's like a very Indiana Jones-ish intro, by which I mean like it's that 3D maze screensaver, but in an ancient tomb. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, it feels like the cinematic version of a Indiana Jones theme park ride. <laughs> To me, it feels a lot like, um, like a '90s adventure com- or like a '90s computer game. This is the remastered version of Elder Scrolls One Arena. So Velma brushes off the onk that Cleopatra was wearing as she is at a dig site at the Sphinx. For some reason, it's up near the ear. Um, apparently Prince Omar is leading a Sphinx restoration effort. Uh, Velma hands him the necklace, he lifts it, and the sun strikes it, revealing a secret path at the Sphinx's feet. This is the lost tomb of Cleopatra. I love how ridiculously Zelda-like it is that you need the magic necklace to unlock the tomb. Yeah, this is a thing that's never (laughs) explained. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, also, Prince Omar, I I was curious, so I looked it up. Uh, the Egyptian royal family was deposed in 1952. Yeah, that sounds about right. Mm, they they looked some stuff up, but they didn't look that much stuff up. Exactly. Um. So this is not the place to have this kind of discussion, but like. I wonder what the thought is on stuff like a Sphinx restoration effort. Like, part of me... I was... Go ahead. Yeah. No, I was thinking about that, too. Like... Just go ahead. Part of me thinks that would be a really neat idea. Like, taking massive monuments and restoring them to a way they may have looked previously. It happens with art and such all the time. Um... And, like, other things in culture, like, oh, we, we've we taken this piece of pottery and sort of restored it a bit, or cleaned it up a bit. Or mm-hmm. we've taken this ancient yeast culture and made bread out of it. Mm. 
the thing about restoration for paintings is that it's meant to be reversible. So, like, anything that is done by a restorer has to be something that, at a later date, uh, can be undone by another restorer, or the same one, and redone with perhaps better materials or such and such. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know how they would do that with monuments and stuff. I think it depends on the kind of it's monument, probably. right? Like, I think restoring yeah. something like a sphinx would mainly involve touching up areas or do, like reapplying a paint or something. Like, by the end of the film, we see a restored sphinx, which has, like, a fresh coat of paints and such, a restored face. The paws are, mm -hmm. like, fully restored as well. Everything looks like, if you went back in time, this is probably what a sphinx would look like. And I think it's just a matter, in that case, of adding new stuff on top of the old. Mm -hmm. So I did look this up because I was curious about it. Mm -hmm. There have been uh, restoration efforts done to the Sphinx, actually. Okay. Mm. In 1931, the Egyptian government repaired the head. Uh, part of its headdress had fallen off in 1926, which had also cut deeply into the neck. It was a kind of a questionable repair by adding a concrete collar between the headdress and the neck. Uh, renovations have also been done to the stone base and raw rock body through the 80s and 90s. Interesting. Okay, so it's not out of the realm of possibility that someone high up in, like, in, this, in the film's case, a prince, but, like, if the country of Egypt said, hey, let's restore the Sphinx, it could happen. Mm -hmm. okay. It would take a whole lot of materials, but it could feasibly happen. Welcome to the most informative yeah. episode of Kids and Their Dog ever. <laughs> I, I I did actual research. I was an Egypt kid, so I have a lot of this on the back burner. Oh, I'm glad. Because I was not an Egypt kid, but I knew Egypt kids growing up, so... Uh, so we cut to Shaggy and Scooby chilling on top of the mystery machine as it cruises through the desert. Um, the gang is on their way to surprise Velma, who has been working there for the last six months. Because, you know, uh, this dig is probably not open to the public, so this is probably a terrible idea. Hmm? <laughs> Actually, yeah, it's closed. Oh, yeah, no, like... This is something that gets mentioned. It, it comes up. Um, but the van breaks down because the radiator dried out. Because it's a 1968 Volkswagen van in the middle of the Egyptian desert. It's, it's more like an Astro van, but yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Shaggy and Scooby try to find help, but collapse immediately and see a mirage. <laughs> There's a swimming montage in fake water, and at one point Shaggy's a mermaid. He's a mermaid. Yeah, I noticed that too. Uh, they eat some sand, and then vultures circle overhead. But actually, the vulture is a hawk, and there are some people riding up on camels, and we meet a man with very good facial hair. I'd also like to point out the um, the Oasis swimming scene, the classical music that's playing. Um, what is it? It's it's Tchaikovsky's Flower Waltz. I spent a literal half hour hour you could have just gone to the scooby-doo fandom wiki page 
Of course oh, I could have. Then your cultural references. I tried to shazam it and it didn't work. Me too. <laughs> I was like, I know this song. It's in the Princess Tutu opening. I know this song. <laughs> uh, so a man with very good facial hair, he's like, hey. He says hello in Arabic, but then translates it for them because they are clearly American. Mm-hmm. And Fred's a dweeb, <laughs> as I have posted in the chat. <laughs> what love... up? That means hello in America. I love him. <laughs> I'm... Fred is good in this in this movie. I love Fred in this movie a lot. This so, I think a lot of the characterizations and stuff in this film are good. I think a lot of the animation and faces in this movie are good. I think it's a very well put together film. Mm-hmm. There's good music mm. in it too. Oh yeah, like mm. they they actually I did loved like the a, music in this. It feels like they did a score for a full scale like Egyptian adventure film. Mm-hmm. I'm still looking at this Although, picture of Fred uh, throwing up some signs. Um, also, <laughs> because this is just Oded Fair doing his part in the Mummy. I call this character Ardeth in my notes from this point on. Well, it's close. Like I mentioned before, this is um, in the character credits. This is Amal Ali Akbar, um, which everybody in the gang immediately starts calling him Triple A, and I'm not a fan of that one. I also think there's a little bit of an there's like some kind of irony to be mined of Casey Kasem being the first person to say that that name is a lot when Casey Kasem yeah. is Lebanese. Hmm. He probably felt some type of way about having to read that line. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't like calling this man Triple A and then having him pull the mystery machine out of a ditch. (laughs) (laughs) I think that might be exactly why they named him that. Yeah, it almost definitely is. I I didn't even realize. Oh, wow. (laughs) Good job, Hanna-Barbera. So, well, this was officially a Warner Brothers joint at this point. Good job, Warner Brothers. I'll be honest. Okay, um, aside from all of the uh, baggage that comes with that kind of um, type of nickname, I fucking love that joke. That's hysterical to me. Sorry, I had to have a moment. It it is. It's actually really funny. Uh, so, yeah, he's Oof. like, hey, you can join my caravan. We're going to go to the Nile so you can get some water. Uh, and the camels pull the mystery machine and they reach a dried out riverbed. Because apparently the Nile is dead. This is, um, this is bad. If the yeah. whole Nile's gone, that's real bad. <laughs> and so Amal is like, okay, um, yeah, I'm going to go find water somewhere else for my camels. You guys are already right by the Sphinx. It's a big statue right over there. Pyramids in the back. Can't miss it. <laughs> Which is great. I love that. I also <laughs> laughed out loud when Fred locks the mystery machine. Yes! That was delightful. <laughs> He's like, remember where we parked? <laughs> uh, there's some some fantastic beats in this movie. 
Uh, yeah, so they run into a man named Rock Rivers. No relation to the Nile River. <laughs> uh, I... I have described him as the uh, love child of Zach Bagans from Ghost Adventures and Josh Gates from Destination Truth, with none of the charm of either. Yeah, he's here <laughs> filming something called Fear Facers because he's a ghost hunter. Uh, and there's a joke here where they talk about uh, Supernatural and Shaggy's like, I freely hope he's talking about extra organic granola. <laughs> <laughs> Which is an incredible goof. <laughs> yeah, Scooby-Doo is good sometimes. Fred is a big fan of Rock Rivers, but Daphne's like, hey, your show was canceled because you faked some footage. Uh, and Rock yep. Rivers tells us that ever since they opened up the tomb, there's been like a curse or whatever. I'm here to investigate with his prehensile camera arm. <laughs> um and scooby catches a scent and takes off as he runs through an entire dig site making a mess before tackling velma i loved this it was such a, an adorable moment he tackles her to the ground like an actual great dane that would do and just starts licking her face and it's so cute there's a lot and of cases of scooby-doo being a dog in this movie yeah, this was all his idea because he really missed Velma. Yeah. Yeah. He was doing the dog thing of howling from missing mm-hmm. Velma. And like there's a, a follow up on that too. Like they, they make sure to call back to it. Yes, and that, that was heartbreaking. Uh, and I can't wait to get to that. Velma is there and has snacks already for Scooby and Shaggy, which makes me ask. Do you think she also eats them? They're human yes. safe, so why not? I could totally see it. I think it's Maybe she's also missed them. I think it's like 100% like if Velma is doing one of those like over like throughout the entire night researching something like Yeah. It's like it's a good snack. Yeah, like between nibbling on the end of a pencil like grabs a Scooby snack. Um, so Velma is wearing the Cleopatra necklace under her scarf, and she says the phrase like, "Oh, it belongs in a museum," which was like where I was like, mm. "So that's a f- dangerous sentence to say." It Especially really like is. you have to consider like, okay, well, when you say it belongs in a museum, do you mean like an actual local Egyptian museum, or do you mean like taking it back to America to put it in a museum there? And I will say, based off the events in this movie, I think she means local. Yeah, like, when I say they walk it back, like, they improve on what an Indiana Jones mm-hmm. type movie does, this is the thing yes. that I'm specifically talking about. Yes. Perfect. Daphne says everything goes with khaki. Hmm. Which I guess isn't untrue. It's a neutral. <laughs> yeah. Um, Omar shows up and is concerned but is like oh wait no these are the mystery solvers you're talking about very cool very cool there's a character design detail on Omar that I spotted when I paused to take notes Mm -hmm. and I kind of hate it okay uh oh his scarf is embroidered and it has an onk a scarab beetle 
and a yellow triangle for a pyramid, because how else will you know he's Egyptian? Oh. Yeah. It's not great. Um, so Friday gets a very tourist picture with the prince. That's good. <laughs> he's, oh, Fred's pretty good. He's literally like, hey, Daphne, take a picture. Um, and then there's a sound. It's a helicopter. There's a raid. They're surrounded. It's Dr. Amelia Von Butch, a treasure hunter. And she steals and then breaks Omar's phone as he tries to call his father. And then basically pushes past everyone and leads her team into the tomb. Uh, Amelia Von Butch is a little bit Lara Croft, a little bit Helga from Atlantis, the Lost Empire. Like, Yeah, that's the other person. I knew Lara... Lara- Laura. Ah! Laura. Croft. There we go. Laura Croft. Thank you. I knew Laura Croft was one of the things that was bringing to mind, but the Atlantis one was also like niggling at me. Yeah, the cultural references section of scooby-doo.fandom.com says Amelia Von Butch is based somewhat on the video game character Laura Croft. <laughs> Which you can say that about any, like, ah, this is a female treasure hunter. Hmm. The funny thing about the uh, Atlantis Lost Empire reference, too, is she actually looks almost exactly like Helga, but run through the Hanna-Barbera art style. Mm. Hmm. Are you suggesting that they're the same? Not the same, but I'm pretty sure that might have been a significant uh, uh, direct ancestor. It's only, it's been what? This is 2005. That movie takes place in like 32. Oh, that's yeah. I want to say 11, but that might be wrong. Um. So as they go in there, the gang follows and we get some like reading of a thing. Thus broke Cleopatra, a curse on those who would defile the secret tomb of the pharaohs. The Nile will fall and the desert will rise. The army of the undead will awaken, and all who enter will be turned to stone. All right, stock Egyptian curse, got it. The gang considers the fact (laughs) that the Nile is dry, while Bush just laughed, and literally explodes open a door. Yeah, uh, because archaeology is about... (laughs) Archaeology is all about destroying 2,000 years worth of another culture's history. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep, hated it. Immediately hated her. Raspy screaming comes out of the new hole as ghostly winds fly out. And a sandstorm rages at extreme speeds outside. Uh, the gang and Omar attempt to return to the tomb as Von Butch's squad tries to unload everything. Shaggy and Scooby are the first of the gang back inside and they see Omar turn to stone. Shortly after, the rest of the gang shows up and then Von Butch is there with her crew. And Velma's like, hey don't and she's like (laughs) no i will and as they walk around we see an undead warrior wake up and start moving around uh fred is like okay let's do the mystery solving thing and velma's like okay hold on it's too dangerous we can't no but then velma finds omar's journal and says okay maybe we can use this to lead us through safely um let's see fred's like okay we can't split up, though. It's too dangerous, for real, though. 
And Shaggy and Scooby immediately fall behind accidentally. <laughs> because they fall prey to a stock tomb trap of you step on the floor and the floor falls out from under you. Mm, that happens in a second. Like, at first they just like looking around talking while everybody else keeps walking. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they walk into the room. It's Von Bush, the goons, and Fred, Velma, and Daphne. They enter the first trap room, and there's a mural of Isis on the floor. But then Shaggy and Scooby come barreling in and push everyone to the center of the floor, which then collapses. Um, Shaggy recovers in the rubble, a floor below, and Scooby is in a sarcophagus with a sign that says out to lunch, eating a sandwich. (laughs) That's very good. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby are separated from everyone else by a massive pit. Uh, Everybody's like, okay, y'all just stay there while we head onwards. And immediately Shaggy and Scooby wander off. Yeah, I did appreciate that. There was no conversation, it's just cut to them wandering. Yep. Uh, Shaggy is poking around, getting his, quote, junior archaeologist merit badge. (laughs) Uh, And then they get chased by mummy warriors. And there's some more surrounding Von Butch and the gang. And then Von Butch grapple hooks out, but then there's a chase scene... And Shaggy and Scooby. Uh, before we, I'm sorry, uh, but before we continue, this is the room where I think the background artists actually knew something. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, uh, the chamber where uh, Fred, Daphne, Velma, and the Von Butch gang are, there is a statue against the wall of a uh, ram-headed god with a vulture and a cobra on two pillars next to him. So. The ram-headed goddess Knum, who's the god of the source of the Nile, and then the vulture and cobra are Nechbet and Wajet, who are the protectors of Upper and Lower Egypt. Hmm. So somebody, somewhere, did their research. Well, we see the goat head as well later um, on the, as like the head mass, like the headpiece of uh, the boat that shows up later. Yeah, somebody knew what they were doing. Good. Uh, I I saw the cobra and I went, and I knew that the cobra is um, like an important royal symbol. So, and so is the vulture. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Shaggy and Scooby end up in quicksand after the chase scene. Scooby loses his collar, and they get surrounded by mummy warriors. So they dive into the sca- sand to escape. And they crash through another floor and end up landing in a sarcophagus that then slides down a long, big old long ramp. Uh, Velma drops her glasses, accidentally enters a secret passageway, gets her glasses back from a mummy, and then is turned to stone. <laughs> Fred and Daphne find her and have a slight freak out. Daphne takes the necklace and Fred takes the journal from the statue. Shaggy and Scooby keep sliding down the tunnel out of a cave and into a river with a whirlpool. And then it goes through an underwater tunnel and into a secret ancient city where they are surrounded by spears until they see Scooby. And they're all like, ah, yes, it's the great Ascubis. Hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. The great Pharaoh Ascubus has returned with his lanky manservant, Shag and Common. 
I'm talking like that because it's sort of like one of the voices that one of them has. Because <laughs> um, we'll learn later that all of these people came here from around the world to come live in the ancient way, which basically means without any non-health essential technology. Because some of them have braces, some of them have glasses, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. These freaking LARPers. Yeah. yeah lifestyle yeah. LARPers. Yeah. <laughs> That's, oh my god, you're right. Also, I appreciate that there are um, paintings of very obviously Shaggy and Scooby, but as a sphinx and a priest, much in the same way that Yu-Gi-Oh! has incredibly specific... Uh, <laughs> ancient egyptian carvings i was literally just watching one of those episodes like a uh. week ago <laughs> oh yes the pharaoh aten and his incredibly accurate hairstyle that one's yugi and yes kaiba uh. that one is you i could tell from his pointy bangs and the big dragon uh um yeah so the people there and hotep who is like their leader at the basically refuse to believe that they aren't the people depicted and so they like hey we'll do a feast and so shaggy and scooby are like yeah we'll do a feast okay and scooby leaves his collar behind in the sarcophagus uh, fred and daphne are still walking around looking for shaggy and scooby shaggy and scooby Rock Rivers is there, suddenly. And Daphne's like, hey, it was you. And he's like, no, it wasn't me. Here's where all of the undead army are. Ah, yes. Freak out. Show me the mummy. I kind of liked that joke. And I was mad at myself for liking that joke. It's a good one. Uh, but no, these mummies have not moved at all and definitely aren't the ones that chase them. Rock Rivers finds a scroll. Fred is still bad at translating. <laughs> uh, Rock claims it's written in blood completely unfounded because he's a TV host and is used to dramatizing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it says that the necklace is the key to the curse. And then Von Butch walks in and is like, give me the necklace. And Fred's like, I know judo and then gets thrown to the side. And then the wind comes through and stuff glows and a ghost Cleopatra shows up and is like, leave now or pay the price. Return the slab. I was just about to. (laughs) Oh, man. I wish Uh, I'd actually said it because that would have been hilarious. If Cass, if you didn't, I was going to. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cursed uh, Cowardly Dog is like a Scooby-Doo show. Yeah. Anyways. <laughs> I'm gonna leave that thought there and let anyone else think about it for a second. <laughs> uh, I certainly am. Butch is having none of it, and Cleo summons locusts, and Daphne says this wasn't part of the curse as they all run away. Locusts, which are absolutely harmless to anything that is not a plant. Yeah. But it's a lot of them, and that's scary. A bunch of grasshoppers. I mean, yeah. If suddenly, like, 20,000 grasshoppers came into your room. And were heading for your face. You would probably leave. Yeah. 
I don't care who you are if a bug or a swarm of bugs suddenly uh, That's true. started appearing in your face, you would run. Like, oh, that's a lot of bugs. It's a lot Except for, of know, bugs. Beekeepers. Beekeepers uh, are prepared. Yeah, they have armor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? No, I just... <laughs> I just love that you called it armor. Because, yeah, that's right, isn't it? It is. It's armor. It's armor. Be- oh the God. beekeeper's secret armor. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so we head back over to Shaggy and Scooby, and this is where the people at the Lost City are like, yeah, no, we live here by the old ways. No tech, aside from health stuff, no fast food, etc. Um, and then Hotep's like, yes, mysterious secret tunnel with a big scary creature. As soon as those three red eyes showed up, I went, I bet it's a giant scorpion. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. So, we'll get to it at the end, because we're actually getting pretty close there. We've been sort mm-hmm. of flying through the movie part. Yeah, it. this movie is so well-paced that it does not feel like it takes 75 minutes. Mm-mm. Mm. Uh, it only felt that way to me because I was, like, dead tired when I was trying to take notes last night and had to stop halfway through. Mm. Um, yeah, it... It ended up taking me like an hour and a half to make my notes, which is not that bad. Yeah. I think both this one and the last one have been well paced. Um, So Fred... They're learning. Oh no, they're learning. (laughs) They're evolving. (laughs) Uh, So Fred and Daphne are still looking for Shaggy and Scooby, and they're like walking around in the desert because they've left the tomb. And Fred does some impressions. This was good voice acting. Yeah. I'm impressed that Frank Welker managed to do a Fred doing a Scooby-Doo voice and not just do the Scooby-Doo voice. Yeah. I know. Voice actors. Man. Frank Welker is an artist. I'm glad he gets to be in the film. (laughs) So, yeah, Fred's impressions lead them to a small city. Um, where they walk around and are attacked by assassins. (laughs) Like, this is the scene where Indiana Jones pulls out the gun and shoots a guy in the street. Yeah. Um, They don't have a gun, they just have a purse that Daphne bought to put the necklace in. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Although, I kind of like the energy of, like, them walking around Daphne's saying, like, oh, I bought this purse, and Fred's like, we're supposed to be here to solve a mystery. Just, like, the idea of them walking around while the mystery is happening, and not just trying to solve the mystery immediately. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know, it uh, has, like, a different kind- it feels like the mummy or something, you know? hmm Yeah. I also like that, uh, when the assassins attack, of course, Fred beefs it instantly. But Daphne actually goes to fight back. Yeah. He's really good at arm wrestling. <laughs> yes. So one of them starts attacking with a bow staff and Daphne pulls up like a stick nearby to try to fight back. Um, and seeing that she hasn't met her match, the assassin turns the staff around to release knockout gas. <laughs> Daphne's a key like Maine. You don't want to give her a staff. 
<laughs> I really love Daphne so much. Yeah. Actually, I think Daphne does some uh, staff fighting in Scooby-Doo 2 Monsters Unleashed. Probably. She does, like, um, like, weighted, um, like, a weight at the end of a wire type fighting in Scooby-Doo. Uh, no, she does that in, um, in Scooby-Doo 2. Because that's when her and Fred team up to fight the Black Knight. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I know we shouldn't just start talking about that movie, but do you remember the time that Fred gets on a motorcycle to joust the Black Knight? <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. I mean, While Bon Jovi I plays. I had forgotten about it. Do you, uh, I think at some point Daphne tries to kick the Black Knight in the nards, but he's in full plate armor and he's like, what the, like, what were you trying to accomplish here? Ugh. <laughs> <sighs> We're going to talk about that movie soon. Oh, I can't wait. Uh, so they wake uh, up. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was actually just about to do. I was about to say that. Do it. Do the thing. All right. So um, there's some uh, there's supposed to be mystery as to who these assassins are. But that is a very distinctive eye shape and laugh. So it's of course, it's it's Von Butch. But uh so we see Ali Akbar, who does some smelling salt herb stuff and wakes Daphne and Fred up, and he has taken them atop one of the Great Pyramids of Giza. <laughs> yeah. Just casually. <laughs> it's fine. Probably. And he says that he has sent his hawk out to go scouting for Scooby and Shaggy because I guess this is literally Assassin's Creed Origins <laughs> where the bird can do everything for you. And the hawk's name is Horus because why wouldn't it be? Yeah. But Horus did find Scooby's collar. I just got a really exciting idea. Oh. Yes. Ubisoft presents Scooby-Doo the video game. That would be pretty good. Watch Dogs 4, this one's got a real dog in it. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Scoob. <laughs> Scooby-Doo x Rabbit's Kingdom Battle. Oh no. Um, so, we we have like two brief scenes of uh, uh, Akbar, Ali Akbar can understand the bird, because, of course... And, well, I didn't uh, we... really read it that way. Because, like, when the bird came down, it had, like, the collar, and then he was like, okay, lead us to where you found the collar. And then the bird flew off again. Oh, okay. So, okay, so he can't just talk to birds. That's good. <laughs> if um... he can, it's not in the text. <laughs> uh, we have a brief uh, confirmation that Von Butch has the onk. But the more important stuff is we are back to the B-plot at the Egyptian Lifestyler Colony. Yes, so this answers a question that I asked Lava a couple of weeks ago now, where I was like, hey, do you think any of the Scooby-Doo kids watch sports? Because <laughs> <laughs> they're taken to an arena, Shaggy and Scooby are, and they're like, oh, do you think the ancient Egyptians played baseball? <laughs> and then they immediately yeah. change into, like, baseball fan 
costumes. So I'm like, okay, they probably care about baseball enough then. Apparently they're Yankees fans too, because it's this it's white and blue, but I also think that's just generic baseball. Could be the that's... Dodgers, I think. I think that's the well, Dodgers. Well, is in California. Yeah, that's true. It's the Coolsville Cavaliers. As a sports team name I made up just now. Nice. I'd believe it. Um, uh, so they're given shields and spears so they can fight the spirit of the sand. And sure enough, it's a scorpion kaiju. Yep. This is truly a scorpion king. Yep. Um... We get another good song here, a sort of chase that comes out of the arena and through the city, and they eventually knock it into the water, where it short circuits, and Hotep accidentally drops a remote. And then Fred, Daphne, and Amal come in, and Amal's like, actually, Hotep is Armin Granger, a wanted civil engineer who has been illegally damming the Nile. Uh, so civil engineer not social engineer yeah (laughs) he didn't lead all of these people here to be larpers no they did that of their own volition (laughs) he probably got like two or three people and then they posted about it on reddit (laughs) uh so this is when shaggy and scooby learn about what happened to velma and everyone has a sad time daphne is uh curious about how if this plot was the reason why the Nile was um, empty. Then why, what's happening with the curse? As a side note, I feel like stealing the major water source for an entire country is a yeah. really serious crime that never gets addressed. Yeah. yeah it's like, fine. So let's go ahead and talk about it now. That entire plot feels extremely... Like, I love that it's there, but it feels so strangely disconnected in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. it feels like Shaggy and Scooby wandered onto the set of a Captain Planet plot. (laughs) Yeah. About illegal damning. Why did this man have a giant robotic scorpion? (laughs) (laughs) Who's an engineer? Sometimes you just want a kaiju with a remote control. (laughs) And it's just... (sighs) So... God, well, you need you need something for the LARPers to fight against. I'm so curious now. What was this man waiting for? Did he? How did he know that Scooby and Shaggy would just show up? Well, oh, hey, so or did he just take advantage of them somehow matching? He just took it's advantage a- because Amal actually suggests that the way he responds to that painting suggests that like actually no a scubus is a real thing (laughs) but there's no such thing as coincidence it was fate that brought you here (laughs) it was your destiny to reveal this schlemiel's plot to dupe these larpers Uh. Uh. uh daphne gives scooby his collar back to try to get him to stop howling Good luck. So sad. And this is when Daphne finally notices that the bag with the necklace is missing. And they're like, it's probably Von Butch. And Fred's like, I got a plan. Here's time for a plan. 
so back and at- um is this is i don't know if they actually ever do a false plan because you know sometimes they uh they try the first trap and it fails mm-hmm. i think this is one of the few times where they don't have an initial failed attempt to catch the monster or the bad guy in this case i mean it is kind of brought up the fact that this worked on the first go yeah, I think so. I think what you're referring to is the fact that, like, they have what seems to be two separate plans going into this, um, involving, like, a trap on the outside of the tomb, as well as what they're doing on the inside. And I think that what happens on the inside is more of an accident than the outside. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I was just, you know, they just do this in Scooby-Doo all the time, where they do a first go. But it's only, you know, ten minutes into the episode and they gotta fill the time, so it fails. Hmm. Right. See, I figured it would have been more of a, they're going in to do the, like, they had a separate kind of plan for what was going on inside. That would have involved causing Butch to run out like she does at the end and then activates that part of the plan. I think they had to call an audible on the first part. Hmm. So let's get into that first part. Um, so back at the Sphinx, he tells Daphne, it's like, okay, Daphne, you know what to do. Shaggy and Scooby, you follow me. And then Scooby immediately takes off into the tomb. Because <laughs> a dog. Dog. So Fred, Shaggy, and Scooby find a Rock River statue inside. And they find a green cave with crocodiles in it and stuff. And there's some mummy warriors who have kidnapped Butch and her goons. And she still has the necklace. So Shaggy and Scooby, mummy disguise past the guard in like a way that is has a different, it has a more casual vibe than normal. Like it ends with Shaggy just going like, thanks man, and then walking past. <laughs> and then the tape on Scooby's tail rips off, revealing that, oh, that's a dog, probably. So they chase it. <laughs> um, they escape into a side room and find a room full of cement. And Ghost Cleopatra shows up to judge Von Butch and her goons. And her goons are turned to stone. And Von Butch is begging for her life. Yeah. Like, like full-on thinks she could actually die. Yeah. Ghost Cleopatra's gold mask explodes into a mummy face. And they're about to turn Von Butch into stone. When Fred gives Shaggy and Scooby the signal. Which apparently was just a signal to... Tarzan swing into a gong. (laughs) Unless the plan was like, hey, go cause a distraction. Maybe. It's what they're good at. Yeah. Uh, And then Fred cuts loose an ancient boat, which is manned by the people from the ancient city. And there's Daphne on there in a Cleopatra disguise that legitimately looks like the hair is made out of ropes. Yep, I'm pretty sure it is. Yeah, now that I think about it, it does look like that, doesn't it? She has a rope on her costume, and, like, the hair is the exact same. Same size, same color, same texture. Hmm. Well, when you have to make an ancient Egyptian wig fast. They did Yeah, they couldn't get- they didn't have time to go back to the mystery machine to get their disguise kits. (laughs) Uh, I like that I have a note here that just says Scooby-Doo shenanigans ensue. Yeah. yeah, so they land, and Fred leads an army against the mummies, and they use a big magnet to disarm most of them. 
Daphne gets grabbed, but immediately turns that into her advantage by teaming up with Shaggy and Scooby to give Ghost Cleopatra a makeover. <laughs> like, she gets brought to Ghost Cleopatra and immediately starts sassing her. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby end up on a flying carpet, and thanks to their previous experience with flying carpets, are able to pilot it. <laughs> I also like that there's no explanation, so this is a legit flying carpet. Yeah, and then it gets destroyed. Yeah, Von Butch breaks out of her bindings and runs inside of the tomb. Ghost Cleopatra ends up on the carpet with Shaggy and Scooby, which is then torn and destroyed. Bush gets to Cleo's tomb, opens it up. Hey, there's a mummy. Put the necklace into the headpiece of the mummy. Everything glows and reveals a bunch of treasure. And the gang comes in just in time to see Ghost Cleopatra threaten Von Put. Von Butch, and then Von Butch takes the crown, which causes it to activate a trap and cause a cave-in slash flood. Uh, the gang and Cleopatra ghost end up in the same boat as they paddle away. Uh, Von Butch runs outside, and as she does so, a mall's hawk swoops down and steals the crown, and then activates the trap that they had set outside to catch her. Um, the water explodes a... out of the side of some rocks. Go ahead. He says a very funny line about how, uh, do you suppose that Fred's plans always work out like this? In the end, they usually do. Yeah. The, uh, the other thing I liked was, uh, Scooby and Shaggy going, paddle faster, she's right behind us, and then we <laughs> zoom out and she's just farther back in the same boat. Yes, yeah. I did love that. Uh, so the water explodes out of the side of some rocks and fills the riverbed, and the treasure comes out with it. The gang brings the boat ashore, and Scooby goes over and licks the mask off, revealing... Velma Dinkley! And Prince Omar reveals himself to be one of the mummy warriors. And Rock Rivers is also there. (laughs) (laughs) He helped. He helped. Namal gives the crown to Omar... Velma and Omar are like, hey, we did this to scare off all the looters that we knew would come when we found the tomb. And Rock Rivers helped by letting us record everything that was in there with his camera before we, you know, did everything in there. (laughs) And all of the riches were returned to the people, just like Cleopatra wanted. And then there are fireworks and we see the Sphinx is restored. Shaggy sets off a big firework that explodes the new nose. Yep. Scooby Dooby Doo. I I did some looking into the nose thing. Uh-huh. Because uh the the famous myth is that uh it got blown off by Napoleon's army. But uh apparently it was missing do as it apparently broken it was apparently broken off sometime between the third and tenth centuries. Mm. Hmm. And there is also apparently probably a uh, a pharaonic beard on it too, but that was probably added later. And they have found it, and there's a fragment of it in the British Museum. Hmm. Yeah, see, that's the thing I don't like. Yeah, of course it is. Also, uh. they have found that the Sphinx has traces of yellow and blue pigment on it. So it was probably full color at some point. Mm-hmm. Which this one at the end is for the most part. Mm-hmm. 
Um, there's also a credit clip show that happens during the credits. It's actually a very good showcase for all of the fun parts of this movie, as far as like the animation and stuff go, and it plays the music that happens in the movie. It's just like if you want to show someone like, hey, this is what this movie is without making them watch the movie, show them the clip mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a pretty solid movie. Yeah, I do like yeah. that at the end. It's like, yeah, we just like gave, we just released everything to the people of Egypt. Yeah, we got some I record didn't... of it, and that's what we needed. Uh, I didn't come away with the same sense of general slight disappointment that I did after Loch Ness Monster. Yeah, that's good. It made me realize. My goodness, if the gang ever needed to uh, pull a scheme, they'd be frighteningly good at it. Oh, you mean like they do in the film Frank and Creepy? Oh, God. We'll get to it. Is that on our list soon? No, it's like near the end of our list unless a guest shows up and it's like, hey. Yeah. I'll look forward to it. I'll keep that fact in mind and just put it in my pocket. (laughs) <laughs> Look, I really want someone to come on so we can talk about Kiss and the <laughs> and the in- the extended Sailor Moon sequence. That entire movie is so buck wild. <laughs> um, I did really appreciate in this movie that Velma just straight up, you know, did a scheme. Like that's that's really cool. I asked Cass, and apparently that's never been done. Nope. Except, you know, or at least we haven't, you know. That was the first time it has been done. Yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. I, I can only I, imagine. It may not be the first. I, want, I, I may be wrong about that. It is It is listed as one of the few times. Gotcha. Um, I know of one other instance that we might end up seeing, but I do not know if that happened before or after this. Um, um, Frank and Creepy came out in like the 2010s, I think. Yeah. Or at least close mm. to it. It was gotcha. the newest movie that had come out when me and Lava first watched some Scooby-Doo movies together. Okay. Uh. Uh, came out right before Moon Monster Madness, I think. Ah. Uh. Ah, that's what it was. I remembered what I was about to say. So I can only imagine that uh, as soon as Velma realized that uh, adventure game protagonists would be coming to try and plunder this tomb... <laughs> that she uh, turned to Omar probably over dinner while they were eating around the campfire. And she said, you know, I have experience with people trying to keep uh, people away from valuable stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think I think we could do something about this. How do you feel yes. about wearing latex, uh, a latex mask? Uh, I just love it so much. And they were not uh, they weren't planning on the rest of the gang showing up is the thing. Velma had no idea. Oh my god, do you know what that means? What? That Velma would have gotten away with it too if it were for <laughs> these meddling kids. kids! Oh! This is true. Oh gosh! Well, technically she did get away with it. She oh, yeah. accomplished her goal. Yeah. Is the thing. She was successful. I'm curious how many uh, potential treasure hunters have they scared away? Well, at because least it's Nathan been Drake. six months. 
or however long since they've discovered the thing. Well, it was successful enough to have not gotten past that first door until she showed up. Right, because I'm sure most of the people who are treasure hunters wouldn't necessarily have thought, ah, yes, let's just blow it up. Yeah. Like, sure, you'd get one or two, but not as quite as intimidating. They'd have done the uh, the usual thing where you look all around the room and see if there's a hidden lever. And when there's not a hidden lever, you have to go on the internet and look at the wiki and see if that dungeon's <laughs> been mapped out yet. And it hasn't, so they went home. <laughs> More LARPers. <laughs> this this whole tomb is incredibly Zelda-esque. Yeah. Okay, so... What a good movie. Do you think this movie is better <laughs> or worse than Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island? Um... I want to hmm. say better. I also want to say better. You know, I think you're right. Okay. How does this movie compare to Scooby-Doo and the Ghoul School? So here's where we decide if Velma is more important or not than Spooky Moppet Children. Velma is not as important as the phrase fantastic. I hate to say it. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. I will say I do enjoy this story so much. It's good. It's I, a I'm very well written movie. But what hmm. if I like, said the phrase Spiderweb Pizza? <laughs> <laughs> I personally want to say it's better. I want to say it's better as well because. I also haven't seen Ghoul School in a long time. I just know that movie is delightful. But this movie has Velma practically applying all the mystery solving skills she's learned to pull off a mystery. Yeah. Hmm. That's wild because I figured this would have gone closer to the middle of the list. But now we're in the top five for sure. It is officially for sure. Oh, I guess it's not for sure in the top five. It could be top six. But like, yeah. Is this movie better or worse than Scooby-Doo Cyber Chase? Which I also say had yes. a Coliseum scene. But yeah, I, I think it's better than Cyber Chase. It's so funny. Coliseum scene also had a baseball reference within uh, the Coliseum. But All yes, right. I do want to say yes. Well, I know for sure that the bu- buck stops here. Because there is no way that this film is better than Scooby-Doo and the Goblin King. I agree. Yeah, nope, can't top it. Legend nope. of the Goblin King is good. So we're gonna... It's a great movie. I, I'm satisfied with it being third place. So that means that uh, two of the top three are movies with plots where Shaggy and Scooby just kind of do their own thing. Yeah. What's currently at number one? Uh, that would be Witch's Ghost. Okay, so that's the one that doesn't, but yeah, uh, that's the, that doesn't have a Shaggy and Scooby B-plot in it. Of course, it's like, oh, it doesn't have a B-plot for that because it has two plots in it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it completes the first plot and then it starts the second one. Yeah, that's right. As someone <laughs> who like tried, realize- uh, let me tell you something, as someone who tried to do that for something that has not been released yet, but will be released sometime <laughs> this year. That's hard to pull off. 
I like that uh, part of Witch's Ghost because it feels like they had a script for an episode already written and then realized, you know what, wait, <laughs> we could make this a movie. That's what this uh, That's what this movie feels like, actually. It feels like two really good episodes of What's New Scooby-Doo put together. See, I felt like, like here's the movie part, and then we added an episode into it to b- fill out some time. Like, I feel like the part with the Cleopatra curse could have been, like, that's... That's movie plot material. Mm-hmm. And then the side stuff felt like an episode. Like, they would have yeah. gone to see this LARP city. Yeah. And then, you know, defeated this guy. This random guy. Engineer. Who summoned Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> Alright. I'm very satisfied with this. I am too. Alright, well, before we end it for real, for real, uh, how about you plug some stuff? Alright, so I am one half of the Magic Winks Clubhouse podcast. It's the show where my best friend Tess and I sit down every two weeks and we watch every episode of the Italian Magical Girl series Winks Club. You can find that on Podbean, which is our hosting website. We're also available on iTunes and Google Podcasts, as well as Google Play, I'm pretty sure. Uh, we're on Twitter at MagicWinksPod. Excellent. Uh, my personal... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Keep going. And my my personal Twitter is uh, SonataWaves, at S-O-N-A-T-A-W-A-V-E-S. Very good. Um, so I'm bringing this back. Like I mentioned the last time we had a guest, uh, or two guests rather, because I forgot to do it for a while there. Plug something that you don't do anything with, that you are not I involved would, with. I would like to plug the Gem Jammer podcast, where, uh, where the hosts of the Gem Jam podcast uh, do a 5e spell jammer campaign. It's very good D&D. It's incredibly fun. Uh, it's also not as long uh, episodes as some actual play podcasts are. Mm-hmm. And that's honestly one of my favorite things about it. And uh, they're currently in the middle of a very fun Castlevania-esque dungeon crawl that was supposed to be a Halloween special, but has uh, gone into the new year. (laughs) I should catch up on Jim Jammer. I mean, but that's the mood with D&D, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) He only planned to do something for a little while, and then, oops. Six months. Excellent. All right, uh, you can find this show on Twitter at Kids and Their Dog. Um, you can find it on most podcast stuff. I don't ever talk about that co- stuff because if you found the show, you already know where to find it to listen to it. Um, leave us a rating and review if you want. There's still technically a giveaway going on. <laughs> technically. Technically. Um. 
We have a Patreon, patreon.com slash kids and their dog, which I need to pull up again because I keep forgetting to pull it up every time I do this part of the podcast. <laughs> if you give us money, you will get things, and I will tell you what those things are as soon as this loads. <laughs> Okay, so, if you give us money, we will give you things. If you give us $1 a month, we will get you the regular episodes, but early. As well as a shout-out on the show. Like, Tess. Thank you, Tess. Thanks, Tess. Thank you, Tess. Tanner. You know who you are. Thanks, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. Thank you, Tanner. James. I hope you don't mind me piggybacking on this. Go right ahead. This feels appropriate. (laughs) Thank Thank you, James. James. Thank you, James. And Crash. Thank you, Crash. Thank you, Crash. Thank you, Crash. Charlie. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. Thanks, Charlie. And Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Andrew. That's my brother's name. If you give us $5 or more a month, you get bonus episodes and as well as the other stuff. I'm going to put up another bonus episode soon, and it's going to be Star Wars. Even though I have a rule where I'm not allowed to podcast about Star Wars, I think if it's a Patreon <laughs> bonus thing, it it doesn't count as a podcast. Nope. Nope. Um, okay, I found out recently that I'm apparently, like, I am the bad influence friend who tells you to do the thing you probably shouldn't. <laughs> Because I was talking to my coworker the other day, and she was saying that she was trying to save money, but she also wanted to get some stuff from Lush. And I said, just do it. <laughs> well, we all need uh, a YOLO. devil on our shoulder, you know? Yep. I'm a Scorpio. I can't help it. <laughs> um, But yeah, uh, there's also, I'm going to talk to Lava and see if we're going to record a bonus episode tonight, actually, because I have an idea for one. Ooh. Oh, cool. Um, If you... Give us $35 or more a month, which no one has done, but trust me, you should. <laughs> if only to make me do it. Uh, you will get the podcast on a CD. I will get in touch to discuss which episodes you want, as well as the other stuff that you would get for being a Patreon. Patreon? Patreon patron. Uh, we have goals. At $50 a month, we'll start covering some of the cartoon shows, um, such as the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo and stuff like that. At $100 a month, which honestly, now that I think about it, is probably too low, but I'll do it anyways. We'll start <laughs> Kids in Their Dice, a monthly actual play bonus podcast. Uh, at $1,000 a month, I will write an unofficial Scooby-Doo encyclopedia. <laughs> uh, Are you adding that in? Not right now, but I will. Okay. I'm keeping the page hmm. open. It was just, there was a long pause, and I was like, oh my god. Oh, I just realized I never read the movie list. Can't lose that streak. I have to do that real quick. Hold on. Because uh-huh. I'm done talking about our Patreon and all of the stuff with our podcast, so I think now's a t- good time to stick it in there. Yeah. Um, and I'll just retroactively put it in post. Editing magic. Uh, so the ranking is as follows. Monster of Mexico. Scooby-Doo and the Reluctant Werewolf. Scooby-Doo meets the Boo Brothers. Scooby goes Hollywood. Scooby-Doo in Arabian Nights. Scooby-Doo Alien Invaders. The Loch Ness Monster. Legend of the Vampire. 
Aloha Scooby-Doo, The WrestleMania Mystery, Zombie Island, Music of the Vampire, Scooby-Doo 2002, Mask of the Blue Falcon, Moon Monster Madness, Ghoul School, Scooby-Doo, The Mystery Begins, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Cyber Chase, Where's My Mummy, Goblin King, and The Witch's Ghost. Woo! It's what awesome. we fear the most. <laughs> also, uh, speaking of that, did you guys get weird casino vibes off of the two songs they did in this movie? I love the two songs. Scenes? Oh yeah, okay. Granted, I will say, I immediately thought of like Big Bad Voodoo Daddy. Oh yeah. As it- like... It's got the same that vibe kind of as that theme. one song from Goblin King. Yeah. Which also made me think of it. <laughs> you, you gotta have a jazzy number. Yep. You just gotta. That kind of big band sound. Uh, so, right. Lava, plug what yourself. Else? Oh, that's right. Uh, you can find me uh, on Twitter at LavaBees. L A V A B E A S. Mm hmm. That's it. And you can find me on Twitter at MadLobotanist. That's M A D L O B O T A N I S T. I do other podcasts such as Precure Podcast Engage, a show about Pretty Cure. It's good. It's also sometimes about Ben 10. <laughs> those are also good uh we um, recently put out a q a episode in which i gave charlie who was the other host of that show a quiz about ben 10 <laughs> <laughs> like just random ben 10 trivia questions throughout the q a <laughs> so if you think you can do better than seated uh go take a listen uh i also do hey let's talk about it a podcast that's been on hiatus with that i do with charlie and crash but it'll be back this year i promise we gotta (laughs) figure out how we're gonna restructure it because three hour episodes are not conducive to anything Uh, I think that's it for me. You can find the stuff I do on my Twitter. I make video games. I do other stuff. I sometimes stream video games most of the time with Crash. Like, we've been playing through Mega Man Battle Network. Um, also, I'll tweet jokes. What's the most recent joke I tweeted? Update. El Tigre is a magical boy anime. <laughs> yes, it is. Um... I tweeted about the Pokemon Direct. Here's a plug for something that I'm not involved with. Um, sure, the Polygon show Unraveled is good, but I think PDG's best thing is still the time he performed a sex song about Arbor Day for a podcast. Uh. Huh. Let's Make a Music was a good podcast. Um. Okay, that's it for plugs, I think. So, if you enjoyed the show, come back next month, where we talk about Pirates Ahoy! Oh, that's where we see where Fred gets all his tourist behavior from. Oh, good. 
Uh, but until then, we would have gotten away with it too. If it weren't for us meddling kids. And our dumb dog too. You know, like Meow. Yeah. 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 Okay. Now we've taken yeah. it too far. Pull back. Pull back. <laughs> Never. Never. Writing's on the wall. How you climb? The further you fall. And one bad knock could end it all. How could you know? That the curse of the danger would grow. Yeah, the curse of the She told us.